Welcome to Indoctrination, a weekly conversation series about protecting yourself from systems of control. I'm your host, Rachel Bernstein. Hi, everybody. Today on the show, I am so happy to have Eva Collins. Eva Collins is a content creator and online business consultant with over 20 years of experience in the spiritual and personal development world and eight years in the online business and coaching industry. She has 750 hours of yoga teacher training, along with certifications in different realms of health coaching. Over the years during her entrepreneurship journey, she started learning from and working for some big names in the online business industry. And during the pandemic, she slowly began to realize that she'd found herself caught up in an online business cult, even though she'd never met most of these people or the teacher in person. After waking up to the manipulation, abuse, and shady practices she had seen, she quit everything. She quit her online coaching business and started working at a nursing home doing bedside care. She created the Instagram account called Why Don't You Say Something to call out manipulation and empower people to speak up, sharing people's stories and experiences anonymously. One of the things that fueled her to see the truth and share it was her previous experience in the One Taste Cult in New York City 10 years ago. She saw through it then, spoke up about it, and helped others break free from the group, hosting them at her house when they decide to leave. Today, Eva is passionate about helping people recover from spiritual abuse and navigate the online business world without falling for the same traps. She's on a mission to promote authenticity, honesty, and ethical practices in both the spiritual and marketing realms. You can find more info about Eva and her work at whydontyousaysomething.com. Here's Eva now. I am so happy to be talking to Eva Collins today. You have so much information that is relevant to not only this podcast, but to my work and the stuff that I go on and on about when I'm asked about it, because it's so out there. And I think people really need to understand how this all happens and what it looks like and in all of its different forms. And when people are reaching out for help and support and guidance and how they can be misguided through their pursuit of guidance. And so uh, welcome, welcome. Spend a few moments introducing yourself if you don't mind. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited because there's lots to talk about. And I've been a fan of the podcast and of all the work you do, and it's been really helpful. So I'm, I'm very glad to be here. Yes, everyone. My name is Eva Collins. I could tell you a very long story, but I basically, a year and a half ago, created an Instagram account called Why Don't You Say Something, where I had been in the spiritual world for about 20 years. I'd done like five yoga teacher trainings. I'd done Reiki trainings. And then I became a certified health coach and I got into the online marketing world, the online business world through we be an entrepreneur, learn how to put yourself out there. And so over time, I got in pretty, I would say, deep with 
some well-known names in the industry. I was, you know, friends with a, a lot of big names in the industry. And I slowly started to wake up to say, whoa, 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 that I found myself feeling like I was wrapped up in a cult or something culty with people that I'd never even actually met in person, which riddle me that how how that happens. So I started speaking up about the manipulation I saw, the tactics that I saw. I quit everything. I quit my online business. I quit coaching. And I just worked at a nursing home, which was very grounding and learned a lot of life lessons there. And I started speaking up about the tactics, the manipulation, and I started sharing people's anonymous stories. So the account just popped off from there. And another big part of this is about 10 years ago, I was a part of, I was wrapped up in the one taste cult, sex cult, which I could go on about a lot. But at the time I really saw it for what it was and I helped people leave. And so those same feelings of like, uh-uh, 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 this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, still came up for me recently and fueled me to be able to, to say something. Okay. Oh, so interesting. And yes, for people who listen to the podcast, they will have heard about One Taste a few times already uh, because it's it's something that was in the news, but also um, to have people on the show who are born male and also born female who are in that uh, organization and talk about their respective experiences being the same and different in some significant ways has been very interesting. So anytime you want to come back and talk about it, that would be really, really powerful. Um, I love that you started seeing things that were really bothersome to you, where you felt like now you are participating really unwittingly in something that's problematic. And the idea that sometimes you didn't meet your teachers or your students, you know, I've worked with so many different people from so many different cults, some of whom say that they became followers of whomever who had died years before they got involved in the group. And he was just an effigy, a picture of the person who they had around their, I don't know, you know, their compound or the the figurehead that they meditated to, but they had never even heard him speak and never met him. So, um, yeah, and they had moved to be there to this place that he used to run and he hasn't been around for many years. So that that sort of thing does happen, that you don't always meet these people who are guiding you. And then I think you can't really get a sense of them. You know, there is this detachment and you, I think, then can attach to how they present themselves and to the idealized sort of notion of them or aura of them without really getting to know them, which adds to the mystique, I think. Yes. I mean, you hit the nail on the head as far as the idealized. You have this ooh, pretty shiny version of them which in the online business industry might be a pretty shiny Zoom class of them or a Facebook Live of them, and you don't actually know them. And it's very much like this kind of string where you're kind of dragged along where you don't actually get close. And that was something that I especially fell into during the pandemic. I mean, everyone was online, wasn't meeting anyone. So it was that was also part of it. But that is really true how it's easy to do. And it's very easy to do online, especially nowadays, and then especially during the pandemic. 
Right. Absolutely. And a lot of groups were doing a bang up job of recruiting new people during the pandemic using, right? I mean, using this forum where they can have this aura, where they can also do a hundred different takes until they get it just right. You won't know, you know, how polished, how much, how many filters they had on them. Um, I think about this woman who got, who started following this man who said that he was sort of from an African tribe. He was not. Um, and that he presented with these long, beautiful dreadlocks. And um, that was part of the mystique. She was part African-American and she really wanted to have a guru that kind of symbolized that part of her, what she thought was that part of her culture and that part of her DNA. Then she had the unfortunate or maybe fortunate, lucky chance to meet him and to get to know him and then to see that he was actually bald and that before he would come out, they would, he had people behind who would clip on dreadlocks onto his head. And so he was just this total fabrication and he had actually never been to Africa ever. And I think was actually from uh, Spain. <laughs> okay. So um, you just don't know what you don't know when you can't meet the person uh, at times. But I think it's really great that you're out there saying, listen, I was drawn to this. And so I guess I'm curious about you. This, this is something that we explore on this podcast too, what makes people drawn. And it sounds like you were drawn to something about these kinds of beliefs or this way of also being able to help people in this way. So what was it for you? What was the draw? Yeah, I mean, such a good question. And it's something that I think about a lot. I've kind of looked back on a lot. On the one hand, you know, I was probably raised in an untraditional, unconventional way. I grew up in San Francisco. My mom did yoga in the living room every day. Um, was was kind of raised very liberal. And so I was just different to, I was used to doing things very differently in life, I guess I would say. I mean, that doesn't make me jump right into something culty, but I was also really neurodivergent. So the traditional way of doing a job was not sounding good to me. I wanted to have flexibility. I wanted to have freedom, which is something that they really go on about in online business. But especially when I look back on One Taste Stuff, uh, which that was like 10 years ago, and that was in person in New York City, was I, I didn't have community. I did not have community. I felt very lonely. This was at the time where like sex in the city was really big. And it was like, ooh, maybe some jerk can ask you out and not even talk to you again. And it was just very like, ugh, not a good thing to me. So at the end of the day, I think uh, I didn't have community. And so that was the case in New York back then. And that was also also the case when I was stuck home during the pandemic or um, stuck online. So community was a really big thing. I also am a spiritual person, and that can also go into magical thinking or who knows how it's going to work out, but it's going to work out. And so those things can really make you be someone who's more susceptible to that. And then, you know, I could probably get into like, gosh lack of uh health care like if i had access to a therapist if i had access to even my own doctor probably could have gotten some good resources or support for things that i was going through so i know that's another big aspect 
So yeah, those are some of the big things. Right. Wow. Okay. They're really, they're really important things. They become this perfect storm, right? Well, there's nothing wrong with any of them, but put together, then there are people out there who are just ready to pounce uh, because of your need for community, everyone's need for community. In fact, that there's a quote that I, that I've said before on the podcast by Eric Fromm, who talked about common customs and beliefs, no matter how absurd, bring people together and save them from isolation. And the no matter how absurd is what, you know, I come across daily, but it is just this natural need for connection, piercing the isolation, knowing that you are like others around you and that you have something in common and common language and a common sense of understanding or common sensibilities. And also being neurodivergent, right? You're going to want to find where you fit in, where you get to be like the people around you. And I think what what I've noticed from, and also having a, a child who is, there is something really interesting about not feeling like you know how something is going to work, like how you can fit in and be social in a way that might be comfortable. Although I have found, I'm going to say a generalization here, but that people who are neurodivergent are really good at observation because they might not jump in to the conversation because they might not know how, but they can observe. And I think that may have helped you actually along the way, seeing what was happening, kind of pulling yourself away and seeing the big picture. What what do you think? Totally. Absolutely. I think the being observant, you know, as someone who's like ADHD or OCD, I'm definitely on the scale for OCD. Um, that you're observant. You're like, okay, that went there and then that went there, but why is that? Why is that? So always asking why is a big thing in my life, kind of um, for better or worse. Uh, so I think that was a good thing in, in this in these situations. And I also was thinking recently about how I was drawn to these things is I am more of someone who will isolate myself. I'm more of, I'm social in small doses. I'm not someone who's like, hey, everyone, we're planning a party and we're going here, we're going there. I'm never going to do that. So when you have people who are very pushy, who are inviting you and pulling you in and welcoming you, when you're someone who's like not great at that, it was also easier for me to be like, well, okay, all right. So it was easy community with people who were pushy. Oh, so interesting. Yeah, when I learned more about introversion versus extroversion, I learned, I well, I decided to call myself something that I thought fit, which is that I'm a social sprinter. I'm not a long distance runner. I can throw myself into a social situation. And then will like if I'm at a party, I will love if there's a pet. I will just go off with the dog, right? Or if there's a great coffee table book I can just get into. I'm not unhappy. I just need to regroup. But yeah, so I think it is interesting then to hear from you about what you got involved in doing and then be able to see sort of the chronology of it. When you started to notice that something was off, which I think starts to build over time, um, which you can sit with or sit on for a period of time before you make a change. Um, because especially if this is what you have going on, this is how you're making a living, it's hard to say goodbye to it. So tell us just about you getting involved in what you ended up doing online, what it was and how you were helping people or thought you were helping people. 
Yeah. So, uh, while back long ago, like uh, 10 years or something, maybe, uh, maybe eight years, I did a training to be a health coach. So it was a year long program. It was in person and, you know, it was fine. It was cute. It wasn't really much of anything back in the day. I think it was like, Ooh, ooh, tips on kale and how to lead a workshop, not kind of what it's become now. Um, I think, you know, maybe they stayed in their lane more as far as like some self-care tips, but not now it's like healing your past lives and trauma and all of that. But I digress. Um, I was teaching yoga and doing this health coaching here and there. And I charged like two cents for it. And I thought, well, hey, I need a website. I need to be able to um, have maybe like a little course one day. I started just getting into those entrepreneurial things that they tell you you need to do when I guess you are some kind of spiritual girl boss. Um, there's a lot of teachings that tell you you need to monetize and monetize quickly any kind of gift you think you might have or thing that you're doing for the community. It's very much instilled of like, build this, build it bigger and charge more. And so I started to get into that thinking online. So over the years, I learned about social media marketing. I learned about creating online courses. I started building websites. I really love the online world. My father was a computer engineer and my mom uh, is an art teacher. So it was like these, these two worlds kind of blending to me. And I started doing more coaching trainings and I probably switched my niche, you know, the the thing that you call yourself, I would switch that like every other month with trying to find this thing that would work. And so long story short, I kept doing different trainings and I kept investing different monies, sometimes that I did not have into building my business and into being a big coach. And so I definitely had success. And overall, I, I felt good about what I did. Like I'm friends or I'm close with the people that I um, worked with or that I coached, but I would say I got in pretty deep and then started seeing some things or, or started waking up to things that slowly kept creeping up over time. Okay. Okay. So before we get to that, it's very interesting when you said that you were calling yourself something different kind of approximately each month based on just seeing what you like to do or what you seem to have a proclivity for or whatever else. That's a really fascinating piece of information because there are people who will attach themselves to people who call themselves something, thinking that they've had, you know, some kind of professional longstanding training to be that thing. But and they don't know that the person may have come up with it that morning. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. And yes. It's just good to know that. And it doesn't mean the person might not do a good job at it. It could happen. But there isn't necessarily that term that's part of a license. And so a person just might not have any qualifications at all. Yes. No, uh, uh, exactly. You know, it's it's very popular. If, if anyone's listening who is in online business, is in the, you know, self-development entrepreneurial business, it is very, very, very common to that that switch your niche. Oh, maybe I should focus on... Um, you know, moms who are doing this or that, or, oh, no, no, you know what I feel? I've gotten a download. Maybe I should focus on this. And so it may not be a whole enormous, like gigantic change, but deep down, 
on the business side, it's speaking to a huge problem of like, why are you doing that? Something's not working or you're not trained for something. So in my case, it wasn't like I, you know, put different titles on myself. Um, was like, tomorrow I suddenly am a trauma therapist. I never titled myself something that was like shady. People do that. People absolutely do that. But yeah, they could come across to your website and you have no idea if they have been doing it for long, if they have any training. And nowadays it's really hard to tell. It is really hard to tell. I mean, I, uh, I treat people who say they got involved with a shaman and then you find out, you know, the shaman's name is Jeff and he's from Long Beach or what, <laughs> I don't know, whatever, you know? And you're like, okay. So, uh, so you really never know. It's a wild and woolly kind of world. Yes. It, I mean, it really is. And it, it already was before, you know, when I first got involved, maybe eight or nine years ago. But oh my God, during the pandemic, it was just the wild west of everybody hopping online and everyone going to town, calling themselves different things or pitching different businesses online. So that's one of the things that I always am shouting about on the internet is ask people their credentials, ask about their experience. And if they have any issue bringing that up, that is a huge red flag. Right. It is. And, you know, I am careful to say too, that the, some of the people who need a lot of healing, who will come to me have worked with people who are credentialed, who do have personality disorders, uh, and they have this ego need to take over somebody's life uh, and to be right all the time. And they could have a lot of initials by their name and a lot of years of schooling, but even years of schooling is not going to have someone get rid of a full-fledged diagnostic picture that they really have a disorder. So it's still important to do kind of buyer beware with any kind of any kind of help. And yes, there are people who get a lot of help talking to people who aren't licensed just because they're good and in kind of intuitive in their own way and have some things to share, which it's just important for you to kind of know how to discern whether a person is licensed or not, if they're healthy for you and if they are making false promises and things like that. I'm wondering then what you started noticing, what was rubbing you the wrong way about what you were noticing in your field or what you found yourself doing that just didn't feel right after a time? Well, in general, I would say I just saw everything getting very saturated. So, I mean, that's that was just one point of like, hmm, is this is this maybe not working? You know, when you think of um, the LuLaRoe people or the LuLaRoe documentary, they have a wake up call of like, is this really working? And so there was that element at play. But then, of course, all of the mindset coaches tell you it's a mindset issue and you're not in the quantum field and all of this other stuff that they can use as an excuse. First, I saw, okay, it's really saturated. And is this working was was one huge thing. And then I saw a lot of cheesier and cheesier and cheesier marketing. So it started to feel like, ooh, I don't want to be associated with this. Like, what is this? A lot of MLM style marketing of pitching to your friends, DMing people. Your business plan is to send people personal messages and ask if their cousin knows someone who knows someone who wants to work with you. So I started seeing a lot of that and started to be taught practices like that where I was like, ooh, 
where at first I felt like, okay, I have a mindset issue. I have a block and I just need to, you know, clear the block and I just need to have um, better visibility. They tell you it's a visibility issue. And so I started to see and realize over time, like, that's no, that just doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel good to me. I don't have an issue. You have an issue thinking this is okay to, to do that. Those were some of the big ones. And then it got, it got bigger and worse over time, which I will for sure, for sure tell you about. Okay. Yes. And just what you said before, mindset coaching. Okay. Ugh. Run. Wow. That's a whole thing that we could get into. And um, and I just for if we can for a few moments, because just that idea of that quote, I wrote it down. You're not in the quantum field. Okay, what does that it doesn't mean a thing at all? And so I, you know, people will sometimes say, Oh, I I went to this workshop and they taught me how to, I don't know, something, do something for my something. And I'm like, what do those words mean to you? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, $10,000 later, they still didn't mean anything to me and I wasn't doing it right. And uh, what? Well, how do you know you're doing it right or wrong if you don't know what it is? So it, I think when there are words that are thrown out and they sound smart, they sound like they're just beyond your level of understanding and that you'll probably understand it if you're open to it, which happens a lot in these kinds of groups. You're like, oh, okay, I don't get what they said at all. Um, but I'm just going to sit with it because it seems that other other people probably get it and I'm not. So I'm just going to try, but it still doesn't mean anything because what does it mean to be in the quantum field? Okay. And also, how would you know if you're there or not? And when there's something that's immeasurable, that's invisible, you then are totally dependent on another person to decide when you're there. And they'll decide when you're there, I think, after they've extracted as much as they can from you to maybe get there, which is a problem. It's like someone promising you, I don't know, that you're going to reach a certain spiritual elevation. Well, what, like, is that upstairs? Do I, like, will I know when I got there? <laughs> or are you just going to wait and tell me when you've gotten whatever you need out of me? Yeah. Ooh, that, that sent shivers through my spine when you talked about when it's immeasurable and invisible, how do you know you got there and when will they tell you? And also who, who told them, who told them, how do they know? And on my Instagram, for those who haven't seen, I do a lot of satire videos or I, I, I did, um, a lot of satire videos and one really popular one is about like, okay, I'm going out to find the quantum field since I've paid all the monies and I've done all the meditations and I'm like looking under leaves and I'm like looking in a bush it's like, exactly. I mean, what are we talking about? And I think it's a really weird place to find yourself when you are believing something that you don't even understand. And there was a lot of that going on. And I did that to a certain extent. I know how that feels. Right. Well, you know, we have it just in mainstream culture when people talk about reaching enlightenment, you know, that's a common term. And also, same thing. Uh, how, okay. Does, do you like glow? Like, how do you know? Is there some way to know? And there really isn't. It can be just a feeling or if you're involved in more of a cultic group, it's when they tell you. And if they use you for their gain, then you never quite reach it. And that's really 
I mean, that's the unconscionable part, I think, that people are just used up in that way. I love that you're able to put some humor to this, which is really healing and really good. And and us laughing about it is not to put down or not to, you know, kind of reduce this down to something funny, but it is really important to be able to laugh about it, um, to gain that kind of emotional distance from it and to see the ridiculousness of it. But yes, I it sounds like all along too, your conscience was starting to get really tweaked and it didn't feel right. And so that's a lovely thing when you know you can rely on yourself to be that gauge at some point, it just turns back on and you go, okay, no. And so when you were involved in doing things like this, what were some of the words that you found yourself using with people? I'm curious because there's a whole vocabulary to it. Oh, um, geez. I, I would say that I learned from, like there was a solid three months, five months where I was learning from a couple people who were just out, out of their minds, not well. And, um, I don't know, whatever you want to call it in a polite way. And they weren't good people. They were manipulative and they were spiritually manipula- manipulative. So it like vibration. I don't think I said that out to the people on my Instagram, but, but behind the scenes, I was trying to raise my vibration because I'm told I need to raise my, raise my vibration. How are you going to do this or that or sell out your program if you're low vibe, your vibration? And the vibration comes from your thoughts and your thoughts put you in, you know, the field. So vibration was a big one. Um, definitely mindset. And I and I absolutely used the word mindset. I mean, I called myself a mindset coach at one time. So let me tell you, I think you should run from any mindset coach. Okay. And let's just talk about what that is, just so people know what they do. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. Okay. Well, that was a short conversation about that. That is really not great. Yeah. I think it's not good. And especially people who use NLP will call themselves mindset coaches. And I just think the whole premise is a bit around, it's not anything tangible. It's something in here that we need to look at. And it takes something from, hey, you know, what's your mindset around this? Are you looking at this as, oh my gosh, I'm terrible and I suck? Or are you looking at this like, oh, this could be an exciting opportunity? There's some like basics of, sure, using the word mindset. But this is truly like you have blocks is another word they use. Like you have invisible blocks um, and we need to, you know, get through them in your mindset. So, yeah. Right. And so NLP, for people who don't know, is neuro-linguistic programming. It's been around for a while. It's been problematic since it started. And uh, it is something to really be wary of. And I'm glad you mentioned it. Right. Blocks are another thing. There was one time a group that I went to go check out where they believe in mysticism and they give you this mystical text that's from a long time ago and another language that's not spoken anymore. And so there really isn't a way to translate it for the layperson. And you are supposed to scan the words on the page with your fingertips. And if you're not then uh, being healed or feeling whatever you're supposed to be feeling, it is that you have blocks and then they have a class for that and more books for that. And then it might work if you're really committed to the work 
Um, but if not, then there's another class and another one and another one and another one. And, you know, again, many thousands of dollars later, you still might have a block. It can be endless, you know? It can be endless. And it's really a lot of the mindset work that I've seen, a lot of the NLP, it's almost like you're supposed to have that person on speed dial to help you see what you can't see. So it's helping you connect to them and have them tell you what's what's wrong with you, which is just a huge issue, you know, to me at my core of why are you linking people to you rather than linking you to yourself, you know? None of NLP that I've seen is kind of bringing you back to your own power or your own strength either. That's so interesting. So I I was talking earlier today to someone who I'm going to be on her show. We were talking about what happens when people come to me for counseling who have become or been made to be dependent on another person. And that when I see that they're transitioning that onto me, my role really, if I'm going to be responsible with them, is to say, okay, at first, if you're needing someone outside of yourself to guide you, I'm happy to be that transitional object, but it's just going to be transitional because my my role with you is going to be exactly as you said, that I, I can offer you these ideas, but the next time we talk about it, I'm going to ask you first what you think. And then if you want to know, like, we'll we'll do it kind of in stages. I'll answer you first. Then the next time I'll ask you, if you're still not sure, I'll answer. And then the next time I'm going to leave it up to you and see if you can guide you just to gift you back yourself and confidence in yourself. But wow, that's interesting. So I didn't know about that, that they really are breeding this dependency on somebody else. Wow. Yeah. I would say that that was another huge issue or red flag that I saw in the coaching industry as a whole was this dependency on the coach. It's as if the coach has the magic and the coach can see what you can't see. Like that, okay. I mean, all right. Um, But at the end of the day, for me, I deeply believe people should be brought back to themselves. Or I believe that like spirituality is Hey, help you find yourself, connect to yourself, not some outside person. So yeah, I mean, that's like running so rampant is this worshiping and relying on the coach. Like You're supposed to re-enroll, baby. Don't you worry after your three months or six months is up, you've got to re-enroll with them. Otherwise, you're going to lose all your success. You're going to lose all your blah, 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 blah. And yeah, it's a really big issue. That's the whole sunk cost fallacy, right? Like you've come this far, you've given so much and you can't turn around now because you will lose it. Yeah. And what did you really do then? What did you learn? (laughs) What did you, what did you create? If it's something that you can't ever stop, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So interesting. Right. Okay. So, I also have to assume, because you're a good person, that there were times that you really did feel that you were making a difference in someone's life. And you probably were. And, you know, that's part of what also I think keeps people there who are doing this work, because there are some significant moments you can have with people. Um, and I don't I don't want to downplay those. And absolutely. And I will I will. I will take that in and I and I do think that and I'm like yes that really is true and I'm vocal about like ooh 
here's some of the posts I made or a picture I posted where who knows what, what I was thinking, because that is just stupid. Okay. And so I'm, I'm vocal about some of the things that I look back on and overall, I feel good about, um, a lot of the work I did. I, 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 for many different reasons, I never pushed past my conscience. I never pushed past my values or just what I feel is like deeply right or wrong. And I'm glad that I had those, you know, so there's that. And by doing that, I didn't make all the money that I could have made by saying, you know, I'm not the person to help you. I think we should reach out to a mental health therapist. Let's, let's pause by doing those things. I happily, I mean, turned down money or turned down business growth. So anyway, it's just saying, I do feel that I did some good work. And some of it is kind of like looking back at a bad haircut where you're like, oh, that was fine at the time when everyone was doing it, but like, it's not cool now. And I also do look back on, yeah, how did I get there? And where did it go from, hey, yeah, you want to help people. That's obviously why you like teach yoga. No one gets into teaching yoga to make millions or something or like, you know, well, I mean, sure, some gurus do, but sure. And so where does it go from that to suddenly finding yourself like deep online or deeply involved with these odd people and like wondering what's going on? I mean, it's it's something I really don't know like where that is, but it is true because one of the reasons that I'm so passionate and and speaking up online is because these people are trying to help other people, a lot of them. I mean, they could be bankers, they could be you know, lots of other professions where they could maybe make more money. So I do think that a lot of good-hearted people get involved in these different types of things, um, coaching, because they want to help people. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, that's one of the frustrations I have is that there are very well-meaning people who um, have great intentions and really want to be able to make a difference, but they get caught up in finding a venue to do that that is pushing them beyond what they know is right. And that when you make a statement like, you know, in order for me to follow my conscience, it meant that I needed to forfeit making more of a living. That shows that the system itself is unhealthy. You were trying to be healthy within it. And that's an important statement, I think. Yes. And at the time, I never saw it as that. Unfortunately, with what I was taught, with what I saw within the industry, it's like, there's something wrong with me. There, there's something flawed with me and I have some kind of block or issue. Uh, and it's also tricky when you are in business because you're not going to go yell out on the internet or like yell through a studio, like I'm not doing great. <laughs> like it's a, it's a thing that people have more shame or privacy around especially when you, when it's the way that you are making money or it's your profession. Like when you talked about people reading a text through their hands, you know, I might be more willing to say, I don't, I don't understand this. I might feel stupid, but it's not going to affect your income. So I'm just saying it's another level that comes into play. That's tricky. That is really tricky. Okay. And so what else do you think started to happen or what did start to happen where, you know, yeah, I mean, thinking back, you were putting things out there and it didn't make sense and may have not made sense at the time. 
And we can talk about those things and how you can talk yourself into something making sense and that you can do it also because you think people are kind of watching what you're doing and it's going to make them happy that you're, you know, putting out these ideas and you're doing a good job doing it, I I suppose. Um, But yeah, I'm just curious what else took place that became the catalyst for you really wanting to leave? Uh, Well, definitely the pandemic happened. So everyone's freaking out, yada, 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 as far as, oh my gosh, what is happening? Are we going to live? We're afraid of going to the grocery store. And so during that time, uh, some of the people that I had been learning marketing from, that I was in trainings, I was paying money to, I was going to events to, I was learning marketing from them, okay? Hey, this is an email platform slowly there started to be mentions of conspiracy theories. And I thought, okay, okay, what now? What, 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 what did you just say? And basically I thought to myself, okay, okay, okay. You know, not every single person has to agree with you 100%. Don't make a stink about everything. You're here to learn marketing. Don't, don't think about that. So there was conspiracy theories that started to be mentioned from someone who I was learning from and deeply involved with as far as just like the internet, you know, someone that you're paying money to and that you're in a group program with. Okay. Those got bigger and bigger over time. We're literally on a training. We were told essentially something of like, don't trust the government and don't get um, the vaccine. And like, I think it was like buy gasoline and supplies and batteries and that like the government can't be trusted and that their shaman told them that that's what's going to happen. So I sat there with like my jaw to the floor of like, ah, that one, that one, I cannot run past that. That one I cannot just laugh at. I can't laugh at. No. Right. I can't laugh at that. So I told myself like, well, I'm learning marketing. I mean, like, okay, okay, right? You try and you try and make it okay in your mind of like, well, just stick to the good stuff you're learning and don't don't, you know, listen to that. So it got worse and worse over time. Um and I thought, you know, you know what? Let me take a Google of this guru that they were mentioning. I'm curious. I'm curious who so they said conspiracy theories, mentioned some alien things. And I'm going, oh, oh, okay. So I took a Google and long story short, there was like nothing online about this person. And they ended up being just like a really odd shaman is what I'll say, who really believes in aliens, which right on is just not something that I want to learn and learn about more. So then (laughs) around that time or like right before, right before that time, and this is something that's like, it's like an embarrassing moment, but also a really important one. We had done a training in online marketing and I thought, oh, there's some, there's some odd stuff going on here. And they said, you know, I want to lead us through a meditation at the end. Let's just like close this thing out. And we had mapped out goals for the year. And they said, let's, let's just do a little meditation. I thought I'm down with meditation. Okay, sure. And they had us like meditate in this weird way and then pulled up a symbol on a screen on the Zoom that made no sense. It was a bunch of like geometric symbols and told us to draw the symbols. 
And so I'm like, okay. And it, it like went slowly over time. They didn't say, attention, we will now bring up some really weird stuff and have you draw symbols. It was like, okay, you know, think of your vision, write down your um, symbol. Like you draw a triangle and you're drawing more triangles. So long story short, they led us through this, I don't even know what, some kind of symbols and code that was supposed to be helping us manifest our vision. Oh, manifest. That's another good one. That's yes. another good one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So, and you don't, there's no explanation. Like there was no warning. There was no anything, but people will play along because like, okay, might as well give this a shot, I suppose, which is what happens. Okay. So here you are and you're drawing it. Yes, I drew it. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, oh. And at the time I was like, oh, this person's, you know, um, out there. They're like a little wizard. Good for them. But like, what am I doing? And it, it started like slowly through the weeks and months of dropping little more of these things. It wasn't like all of a sudden as if someone's like woken up a different person. And so I drew the symbols and I was like, oh my God, this is like so stupid, but I did it. And then after we got off the call, I was like, oh my God, this is seriously like, what is going on? And I Googled it. Take a Google, everybody. I Googled it and it was like Lord Mezacry or like, I don't even know, like Mezezacek or something. Who knows? Okay. I'm I'm doing the Google while we're talking. (laughs) Oh, I I will set, I will set, I will send you a picture of the the code. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Um, it was like a, you know, eighties website of some wizard from some different ascended planet. Oh, one of the ascended masters from a planet. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go with that. Yeah. So a huge, a huge wake up was I asked everyone after like my internet friends, I'm messaging like, what the heck was that? And they just said, oh, LOL, you know, you know them and didn't think much of it. And I said, yeah, but I looked online and it's nothing. And the whole thing makes no sense. And no one really like thought anything about it. But the biggest moment for me was I had this paper on my desk and later my dad had come over or something and he's a computer whiz and he like went to the computer to do something and looked at this paper and just the like deep embarrassment and gut feeling of knowing like this is stupid and bad and wrong and i would never be okay with telling my family that i was doing this was like a huge wake up for me why are you hiding a wizard paper from your father like what are you doing that you're not okay with something why are you doing this Oh, that is so interesting. There are these pivotal moments that go right through us. It's like a sword, like uh, you feel it. And yeah, I've heard people talk about that, even being in a relationship with someone where they suddenly introduce that they're having misgivings, they're having their doubts, and then they introduce this person to their friends or to their family. They get this sense of other people's responses, but also their embarrassment. And then it all comes, it like crystallizes. It gets very clear that something is wrong here. Um, because yeah, you you want to be proud of what you're doing and you want to be able to show it. Like, look, dad, look, look at the cool thing. But no, not, oh, no, no, no. What if he finds out? That's a very different kind of vibe. How interesting. What a moment. Yeah, it was like I thought it was silly and I was like, hmm, that's weird. And then exactly that kind of like jump to, I mean, embarrassed is the word, but just like, oof, I can't, I'm actually not okay with this. I can't stomach this. That that brought me to. So 
Yes. I mean, I was in that online group, really good friends with everybody in it. And a couple other people started to think like, okay, what? And, and have some issues as well. But for the most part, everyone was like, we are blessed to be learning from this person. And we don't question them at all. Like you just don't look at their success. Look what they're doing. So yeah, it was really interesting. Um, but it happened very slowly until those bigger moments. So one of the things that we have working against us is that sometimes the more esoteric and out there something is, the more we think it is spiritual and deep. And it could just be that this person was had a diagnostic delusional disorder uh, or was just this charlatan who just crafted something and had this aura of wizardry, whatever that means. And yes, that they rely on the fact that people won't question. They rely on the fact that people will go along, especially if you're enticing someone into something new and with this sort of promise that it's going to make some kind of change for them or some kind of insight. Uh, Again, you don't know when you're going to have reached it, but you're along for the ride. And manipulators expect that you're going to go along for the ride if they can make it seem uh, interesting enough. So going to what you were saying about like the community here, you you had this community of people. I'm sure it helped that there were some others who were also questioning because if you were the only one, I'm sure that would have been really hard. Yes, I am so grateful to the friend or two that I still talk to who I was like, Ooh, and they were like, yeah, as well. That was really, really good and really important. I, I did feel like I was the one bringing it up. I was the one like, yeah, but um, but I am very grateful for that. And it also like may not have mattered. I mean, with my experience in one taste, I didn't have a single person who was saying, yeah, you're right. Yeah, this is weird. I was personally saying, I don't care. This is not right. No matter what you tell me, if I'm by myself in my house thinking that, I will think that till the day I die, this is not right. And so for me to have that experience and then like years later, have it come out of like, yes, this was a horrible cult that also still fueled me. Um, So just anyways, yes, it was really helpful to have those friends though. Absolutely. Yeah. And just for one taste for a moment, you know, in those kinds of groups, there are other people doubting, but they're too afraid to show it. So people will often feel like they are the only ones. And I want to make sure everyone hears this message. You are never the only one who is doubting um, that something really is the way, you know, uh, it's been portrayed. And you're not the only one who's kind of miserable when you're supposed to be happy uh, and questioning and feeling very much alone. It's just that when you're in a group that can be intense and it's in person, people are looking at each other. And so you have to go along with it and act a part in a way that you might not online to the same degree. Um, But still, even if everyone's nodding their head and smiling and saying yes, I'd say a good 50% uh, are not feeling that way, but they know they have to portray themselves that way. So they're not on the hot seat. Because you can be shamed and ostracized and judged and, you know, no one wants that. How interesting, though, that, that, I mean, it is frightening when you think, wow, am I the only one who sees what's happening here? 
Yeah. I mean, like, hello, hello. Am I in the same world? I mean, like what, what, what is going on? Am I the only one who thinks this is wild? And something you mentioned about something along the lines you just said about, are they kind of like manipulative, um, like on purpose? Are they really trying to like, ha ha ha, I'm going to lie to you and get you. Or are they like delusional? Do they have um, some kind of spiritual psychosis of truly believing that they are a wizard connecting with uh, aliens? And I think that that, I honestly think that that is majority of what I personally see is people who are, I think, ill or, or like spiritually delusional as far as some of the most like harmful or abusive people. I swear to God, I really think that they think that very deeply. And that's also why it's so compelling is because you're like, there's not an ounce of doubt coming from them. And it's especially very freaky. It is. And I think that's a great insight. Sometimes people will ask me, what kind of person runs a cultic group? And by and large, I think they're malignant narcissists who know what they're up to and they're really good at manipulating and they have no conscience and they don't mind whose lives they destroy to get what they want. And it's a parasitic relationship, basically. Then you have the ones who I think start out kind of okay, but get drunk with their own power. And so they may have started out way more innocent, but then realize they have this charisma where they say something and people listen to it. Um, In fact, I know someone who came to see me because he said, I was on my way to being a cult leader. (laughs) I have this way of talking where people listen to me. And I got frightened of that because I'm thinking, I don't even know if I know what I'm saying. But then there's this other this other faction, this sort of, there could be more than this, but from what I've seen, a kind of a third group where it's this diagnosis of folie à deux, which is shared psychosis. So you, you're dealing with someone who has this psychosis, who has a delusional disorder and is able to bring people into the disorder um, while they have that hold on them. And it's people in those kinds of environments will say they really started to see what the person said they were supposed to see and feel what they were supposed to feel. And then somehow they came to because they weren't wired in the same way. They just joined because they they liked the idea. They wanted to believe in it. But uh, at some point they woke back up. Yeah. Gosh, that's so good. I, I have to like think back on some of the top predators that I always think to. And I'm like, what which category are you going in? And it's also of what you're mentioning around. I want to say like the mindset of where these people are coming from. Um, Sometimes I'll mention the word grifter, which wasn't something that I was familiar with, but people think when I talk about scammers or people who are predatory, predatory or people who are manipulative, it's as if they're thinking, yeah, I'm going to email someone and it's all fake and I'm just going to get money from them. Like someone who's, who knows that they're lying and is trying to get something from you. And I don't think that's like majority of what these people are doing. It's not the feeling of like, ooh, I'm doing something really bad and wrong. It's like they think that they, they're saving people. They think that they're helping people. And I think people often think that there's nothing bad happening or they're not being manipulated or they're not uh, being scammed because they're enjoying it. 
because it's a good time. And so that key thing about Grifter to me is like you gave someone a bunch of money and you were happy to do it. You thought you really did a good thing and had a great time. Like that's the key grift of not even knowing that you're being manipulated and scammed. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. There are so many grifters. There are so many schools that I keep hearing about that are schools of mystical something or magic with a K. Um, and uh, and doing a lot of work with tarot, that's not necessarily dangerous. I don't necessarily believe in it, but it's the fact that people can just be bilked of so much of their cash, of their time, of their trust by people who have been in many different incarnations and whatever grift stopped working or when they were sued or something or exposed, they just changed. They changed their look. They changed their aura. They may even go using a different accent. So they seem esoteric. And it's really good like to hire a PI actually at times to find out who this person has been before and knowing that this is just one of the many things that they're going to be doing to, to get money out of people. That's someone who really doesn't operate with their conscience, actually. Yeah. Uh, I have done these deep dives on my Instagram stories. So like they're kind of saved on my highlights and it's deep dives of some of the some of the biggest names in the industry. And I will go back to like the very first thing they posted on their website. I will go back to the very first Instagram post. And I'm like, did you know they started in an MLM and they were saying these things? Like I was personally shocked and surprised. I was like, wow, I never even, I never imagined that. And so when you kind of track someone over time, visually, and spot it in that way, it is very eye-opening. I mean, and it was for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So then when you said goodbye to it, and then you started working in a nursing home, that is really, that is very real, very grounding, as you said. And I think it's a very, very tangible work. What is happening is right in front of you. And uh, I'm sure that was very nice to feel your feet firmly planted on the ground again. But when you made your break, how were you treated? I mean, what did they need for you to come back? You know, were you, did you feel like you were being rejected by them or did you just go? Yeah, it's a good question. To be honest, I kind of just went and I was shocked at how much people didn't care. That is fascinating. That's really important to know. Yeah. It was like, okay, bye. You know, oh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna come to this call. You're not gonna do this thing. Like they could actually care less. I have seen in other situations or like in one taste where they will stalk someone and call them constantly. And it's like, we have to get you back. But I think it's different online. And I wasn't disparaging them. If I had started voicing publicly, then I'm sure that would have been a different story. And so, no, I mean, no one really said anything or or cared or talked to me again. <laughs> or talked to you again. So talking about community, there are times that people will stay in something because they feel like these are their friends. And they also feel like people are going to be disappointed with them if they leave. And then 
I, a number of people have said to me, I was really bothered that this group wouldn't leave me alone. And they just kept after me and they were showing up at my house and they're emailing and calling all the time. And then I hear people say, I was really bothered that nobody seemed to notice or care because that feels sometimes uh, a little easier when you're not being hounded, but still like, wait, wait, I thought this, that we, we had connected. We talk about important things. So shouldn't we have more of a connection where I'm just, just sort of dropped and no one notices? Yeah. I mean, it is really kind of spooky and it's also sad to think, okay, so this is the only thing that we can connect on and the only place that we can connect on. And also just goes to show that kind of like isolation that goes on even online that unless you're in this community, unless you're like paying in this group, unless you're showing up with these people and actively participating even online, that you're not going to connect. I mean, that there isn't a connection. So yeah, it's, it's very weird. It is. So then you were working in a nursing home and is that work that you ever thought you would do? What was your interest in that? No, never in my life. So I had quit everything. I had started working at the front desk um, in like dermatology. And then I quit there after a few months. And I was always curious about nursing. And everyone told me like, take a CNA class, uh, certified nursing assistant in the States. And I thought, okay, why not? I was doing a little social media management on the side. And yeah, so I started doing it. And like, from day one, when I walked in, I loved it. And then also found it like so heart-wrenching and also found it so like soul-fulfilling. Um, it was just really what I needed at that time. I mean, it, I, I created my account and started speaking up when I was working at the care center. And it completely fueled me because it's like, you see someone who is you know wheelchair-bound and in such pain, uh, mentally, physically, there's, you see how there's maybe one nursing assistant to like 15 people and people just sit there and cry, like waiting for help. And then you open Instagram and see people talking about their codes and their manifestation and why you need to do this and that. So that, um, like juxtaposition or that like, wow, black and white difference was like, yeah, this is some BS. This is some BS. And I don't care what, what you say. Also in the beginning, I was really bullied. I was harassed. I was threatened to be sued. I would get so many hateful messages and I didn't care. I was like, I have real people, a community. Uh, it, it was a community center uh, where I have hundreds of patients and hundreds of staff that I'm deeply friends with. I am in community. I could braid their hair and I don't care what you say or do because you are a poof on the internet, like a, as far as, you know, a wit in the wind. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You, you're going to, what you going to do? So it was very grounding in that way. That's quite amazing. I mean, you really, you, you went into something very intense and it sounds like it was this perfect way of having this frame of reference for what's real and what isn't. And yeah, people online who were taking themselves so seriously, but might not survive a day doing what you did at that care center because that's real. Okay, so good for you that you did that. And so now tell us about 
what you're doing and the whole idea of saying something, which is really important. Yeah. What I'm doing now is I have a day job in healthcare. Um, and I just recently left the community center after a year and a half. I got, you know, pretty burnt out. I worked there bedside during COVID and all of that. So um, I have a job separate from all of that. On the side, I've dabbled with um, doing social media management, doing website design, doing some marketing consulting for like really good people, um, people who are therapists, DEI consultants who want to talk about like, how do these things connect and just like basics. And yeah, I just think it's important to share and speak up because I felt very alone when I made my account. And when I started speaking up about things, I felt very alone. I thought no one would even see it. And it was really helpful for me, healing for me to have people say, oh my gosh, I so relate and I'm I'm happy that you've shared this. So I continue to speak up. It may sound cheesy, but I get like many messages a day of people who have been spiritually abused. I mean, really, really, really are in a dark place and don't know which way is up. Maybe like breaking up with coaches, the fact that you even need to say break up, but breaking up with coaches, financially abused, um, spending up to hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe hiding it from friends and family. So I think it's very important to speak up and say something. And I was in the industry for so long. Like, it's not like a hunch. It's not a, you know, I'm curious. It's like, this is what I have deeply seen and what I have experienced. And so I'm going to share that. So I have no idea how in the world I got to this place. I never thought I would be. Uh, if you asked me a couple of years ago, I would have been like, oh my God, no, I'm going to have a girl boss empire. So it's kind of funny that I'm here, but yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. Right. Well, I think when you when you merge you, your gift and your drive to help others with, you know, now having actual information that people need to know to keep themselves safe uh, or safer and, and doing education, doing preventative work is really quite amazing. Um, and that you're speaking from experience, which makes you a trustworthy source. Cause that just like you can say, I did this, I saw this, um, and I know how it can happen and I know how intoxicating it can be. And I know how there's some good people out there, but there are also some really fraudulent people and they're good people who are also getting pushed to be fraudulent. I I really love that you are in this place where you are getting to do the work that speaks to you while still mm, using your experience to educate. And um, that's so incredibly valuable. And I'm really glad that you're getting that feedback. I know I'm sure that feels validating, especially that, you know, you had to go through getting harassed to get to this point. Um, but it seems like it's worth it when people say, thank you. That's really helpful. Yeah, and I'm I'm grateful to everyone who I'm grateful to everyone who sends in their stories and sends in their experiences. I I kind of turned it off a couple months ago because I was like I can't see this and read this all day long. Um but it was those things of people knowing that they're not alone. People knowing, "Oh, I don't have a mindset block. I I had the same experience you had." And so it's also important because in the online industry, you will be booted out, you will be deleted, 
you, it's not like you stand up in an auditorium and everyone heard it. If you were to post something, they'll delete it. So I want to have a place where people can actually have something and have it be up because it's very easy to silence people online or block them or digitally attack them. And so, yes. So what I'm saying is it's important online and, and people get very silenced easily or bullied and everyone else is grateful and like wakes up from reading other people's words and experiences. Yeah. And so what would you like people to know about what you're doing now or how to connect with the things that you have put together or even the videos that you were talking about? Well, we will see where this interesting uh, journey takes me. There hasn't been any kind of plan. It's just been kind of going as it goes, but I am doing website design and social media in a way that I think is just normal and good. And I am passionate about helping people who are doing good work use digital tools to get their stuff out there, especially from someone who is so weary and so aware of the BS that people can fall into. And I think that um, we'll, we'll follow along and see if I can do more interviews with people or interviews with experts to kind of um, put more education to the things that I was noticing that I didn't have the words for. So yeah, I have the Instagram. Why don't you say something on my website? Why don't you say something.com? There's some resources. So people will ask like, I'm being sued. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, I think that I'm, I'm, you know, psychologically messed up. Um, who can I talk to? There's some stuff I list from the FTC that are kind of guidelines for coaching scams that they've put out recently. So yeah, people can check out the resources there. Okay, that's wonderful. Well, I want to welcome you back from the quantum field to uh, <laughs> to the real world. And uh, it's nice to have you back. And uh, if you want my help with putting together, you know, any information out there, I'm happy to be involved. I love that you're thinking about doing that. And good luck to you in your work. And it's a pleasure to talk to you. And I hope to talk to you again. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for all the good work you do. And thanks everyone for listening. And hopefully we'll get to talk again soon. One more thing before you go. Thank you to Eva for her openness. This has been quite a journey for her, and I really appreciate that she took us along part of that journey today with sharing her new awarenesses and developments as she was moving through the field of online coaching. It is so powerful to hear her talk about working also in the nursing industry and health industry really being able to be grounded, to go from some kind of online coaching industry, which is this sort of amorphous thing that just sort of happens in the air, to something entirely grounded, helping people at their bedsides, helping people who are going through a very rough time. There is something so important about knowing that you are really participating in the world in a real way. 
where you are involved in people's lives in a way that has authenticity. So much of what Eva talked about is so much of what I come across in my field, not only with my clients, but also with some of my colleagues, with the fact that the magazine for my profession for marriage and family therapists, for even through the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists, there are advertisements in these magazines and professional places that you can go for continuing education credit that I think are so mired in very shaky and shady practices Mm, pseudoscience. I don't even want to call it science. It's just pseudo something. And meanwhile, people are getting coaching in it or they're becoming coaches in it. And it's not necessarily something that I see as tangible, as real. There are many times that I also work with clients who have come out of cultic situations where they are not able to take what they've learned about what made their group a cult and apply it to other things. So people will say to me, you know what, I I took a break from therapy for a while just to be able to have enough money to consult with my psychic. And I'm thinking, I don't know what you got from your psychic, but the fact that you're back coming to therapy might mean that it didn't quite do what you thought it was going to do. And didn't give you the answers that maybe you really needed. But still, there are a lot of people I know who are still open to ideas that I think take them farther away from reality, don't necessarily give them, I think, a good hold on it. When Eva talked about that she was doing a lot of different kinds of coaching, even something called mindset coaching, there are going to be new terms all the time. And if you talk to anyone who is involved in fields that don't take any particular kind of licensure, you then run into this kind of verbiage like mindset coaching. There isn't a license for that. There isn't necessarily any kind of standard for it. And while there could be some people who are doing that work who might be genuinely helpful, there are others who know nothing about anything, but they're still saying that they somehow have the right and or qualifications to guide you in your life, to tell you how to think, to tell you what to feel, to tell you your next steps of how you achieve the things that you want to achieve or Oftentimes, it's how to achieve the things that we, as your coaches, as your healers, as your gurus, as your shamans, have decided that you need to achieve. When you have also something that uses terminology that people can't quite define, but they're using it as part of their professional relationship with you, like with Eva saying that she learned to say to people, who were not necessarily as motivated as they should be or were not making the gains and strides that they could be, that she was to say to them, you're not in the quantum field. 
or in the right quantum field or whatever it was. And so we talked about that a bit during my talk with her, as you may have heard. And what does that mean? That is an indefinable term. And when I sometimes ask people what they had learned within a cultic group or what they were taught to teach people within a cultic group or what they were taught to say to people to recruit them in, and I ask them to put those words in their own words, they often can't because the terms that they were given are things that were never really clearly defined. And if they were defined, they are terms that are so difficult to really have a good grasp of that people are going to define them all differently. It also is that sometimes it's just words thrown together to sound official and to sound kind of mysterious and to sound kind of mm, superior. Like there's a term that you might not know, but we're going to say it and in the hope that you then think that we sound smart and we sound esoteric and we sound spiritual, but you're not in the quantum field. If you say that to someone as a way to motivate them to try harder or do better, it makes no sense. There is no reason for that phrase. There are a lot of people who will really feel like this is something that they have to learn in order to teach other people to get there. There are many cults that actually will charge the people in it to take courses to learn the terminology. Scientology does that a lot. And the terminology could be something that really doesn't make sense. But the feeling that you're given in that moment is you don't have the awareness to have it make sense. You don't have the openness. You don't have the capability yet. We're going to help you so that then these phrases make sense. And when you get to the end of a course that then you're paying for in order to have that make sense, and it still doesn't make sense, many of the people I've worked with have said they just convinced themselves that it made sense. They just convinced themselves they knew how to define that thing. They weren't quite sure they were doing it right ever. But they got kind of exhausted from trying or they ran out of money for signing up for courses to have it make sense. If you are in a position where a baton has been handed to you and someone has said, here, take this so that you can help other people, there's something lovely about that, about wanting to be in that position, about wanting to be able to be helpful. But at the very least, you should know what you're saying and you should know what you're doing. And it should bother you that people are handing you this baton and saying, here, just use this, and then you're going to be able to help other people. That's not enough. You need to understand the process of healing, of helping, of psychology, of knowing also when to detect that what you're providing for someone is not helping them. Mm, At the very least is just keeping them in a neutral position because what they're being given really isn't helpful. Or that you need to be able to detect that what you're telling them is actually harming them in some way, but without any training, without any background, then there isn't really a way for you to know that. 
you're just not given enough of the skills, of the tools. And I want people out there who are tasked with helping others to be able to ask those questions and get answers. Okay, I'll say that phrase, but what does it mean? And how is it to help this person? And if they don't understand it, why is it that I should be judging them if I don't understand it myself? I really love that Eva came to this place of saying, you know, it should take more than this. I should have more at my fingertips that is really real before I can kind of say I am qualified to help others. And I love that she is using what she went through to help people be aware. But for all of you, really, truly be aware that so much of your own good intention of wanting to be helpful to others is something that multi-level marketing systems are going to capitalize on and are going to say, we can help you help others, but you need to help us first by paying into our system. If anyone out there wants to learn how to help others, then go to a training program Go to a school, go to a place that isn't feeding off of you, but is there to provide you with what you need so that you can be out there in the world helping others in a responsible way. Take good care. Talk to you next week. Thank you very much for listening. Please support Indoctrination on Patreon at patreon.com slash indoctrination. Be sure to give us a follow on our social media. Find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Indoctrination Podcast. And for Twitter, find us at at underscore Indoctrination. We love hearing from you too. So send us an email at indoctrinationshow at gmail.com. And for more updates on the show, visit our website at www.podpage.com forward slash indoctrination.